0: Well, good morning. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 23 in preparation for the sermon this morning. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam that is in thy own eye? O how will thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of your brother's eye. Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives, and he that seeks, finds, and him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there, whom if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? Therefore... All things, whatsoever ye should, that men should do to you, do ye even to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many thereby which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire." Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Please be seated.
1: Would you pray with me this morning as we begin? Oh, Father, I pray this morning, as we gather to hear your word. Father, I pray that we would desire to learn from you. We would desire to be taught by your Holy Spirit today. Oh, Father, I pray as the psalmist did, Lord, that you would make us walk in the path of your commandments. Incline our hearts in that direction. Each day I pray, Father, and and yes, even this day, today, this Lord's Day, I pray that you would incline our ears to hear. Open our eyes that we may see these wonderful truths in your word. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your truth. May we be attentive here in these next few moments as you speak to us from your word. I pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. If you have your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be looking at two verses this morning. Some of you are saying two verses, that's not very, very, very much to talk about. We're going to be done quickly this morning. You know what, there are loads of things we could talk about in these two verses. And just by way of a prefatory remark, it's, it's not exhaustive in any way, shape, or form this morning, what's going to be spoken of. I do hope, though, that it lends itself to the truth of what the King, our King, our Lord, is subscribing this morning in the text in Matthew chapter 7, 13, and 14. I'd like us to look at three things this morning. First of all, I'd like us to look at the command. There's a command right at the beginning of this text. The command. That's followed up by looking at a way, the way of destruction. Or perhaps we could call it the way of warning. And then lastly, we'll look at the way of life. Or the commanded way. We're going to see the command up front. We see the commanded way at the end here. Uh, When we get to verse 14. A little bit of an outline. A little bit of a path of where we'll be going this morning. So the first part of Matthew 7. Verse 13. The command itself. Enter by the narrow gate. Once again I, I point your attention to the one who is speaking. I believe it's important. We have a directive, an imperative, a command By the king. We need to understand that the final verses here in Matthew 7, we have reached the the climax, if you will, of, of this message. And so, everything from this point forward to the end of chapter 7, he's building, he's building, he's building, and he's going to be talking about two different things today two roads, two ways. Next week, we'll talk about two different things. The next couple messages are going to be about, you'll see these, the pairs uh, that he'll address. At the conclusion of his message, we see that there are two kinds of people. There are wise and there are foolish. Very much in accordance to Psalm chapter 1, where we see the wicked and the righteous. But here in these final verses, we see Jesus is once again here, Calling the listener to decision. Calling the listener to responsive action. Jesus has been preaching and teaching. If you have a red letter edition, you see he's been doing a lot of talking. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's all red in my Bible. He's been doing a lot of talking. Okay? The call now is building toward a life of obedience, keyword, a life of obedience to the things that he's been teaching. How is the listener going to respond to what the king has to say? It's almost as though right here, Jesus is posing a couple of questions. Are you going to do anything differently as a result of what I've said? Will you decide now to follow me? Many of you are familiar with John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Christian near the beginning is found fleeing his own house. He's running. Seems to have those folks that are there in his house. They seem to have no interest in the things of God. And Christian is off to pursue the celestial city. And he runs with that big burden. The visible picture of sin strapped to his back. And he's running. Christian recognizes his sinful state. And he realizes that he's dwelling in a city of destruction. I believe Bunyan's allegory is a wonderful depiction of the two roads that people travel in this life. We're either on the way to the celestial city and living a life that exhibits such a destination or or we're content dwelling in the city of destruction. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus speaks of two roads, two ways. He prescribes but one way though for the child. His, Enter by the narrow gate. In just a moment we'll see where that narrow gate leads. For now though I'd like to just simply point you to the command. I'd like to point out a couple things about this command. First of all we need to understand that the king is the one speaking. Here we have at the beginning of these two verses a command. A command from the king. And the king is shining definitive light upon the path... That his follower is to go. And so before even looking at the two ways set forth. And how the two ways are contrasted. It would be prudent I believe for the child of God. To see who it is that speaks. The king is speaking. And here right up front he calls his listener to enter by the narrow gate. In light of the fact that the king is speaking, I was wondering, is this not sufficient on its own? Does it matter that the king himself is speaking, as you read? Need there be anything else spoken, perhaps? Seeing that the king is the one giving the directive? Perhaps as we read the word, we sometimes forget who it is that's speaking. Jesus is speaking. Another thing about the command I believe is very important as we look at the text and he says, enter by the narrow gate. Enter what? You know, and I was looking back through this message, this Sermon on the Mount, and I was drawn back to Matthew chapter five. And in Matthew chapter five, verse 20, Jesus says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means Enter, what? The kingdom of heaven. You see, this text gives some definition to what I believe Jesus commands right here in 7.13. Enter what by the narrow gate? You see, without any prior context, you would wonder what Jesus is advocating. In the midst of his teaching, though, he's been setting forth the righteous requirements for living here on earth as a citizen... Of his heavenly kingdom. So what are we talking about entering? It's entering the kingdom. Then there's a word that he uses. Enter by the narrow gate. Boy, that was interesting to consider that for for a bit. Because you see, in a culture that values to have things their own way. Jesus issues a command to enter by the narrow gate. Christianity has been deemed narrow, hasn't it? Rigid, a bunch of rules to keep. A narrow gate to many means, at first glance, that all my fun is gone all done. All my freedom that I once had is gone. Perhaps some of you thought of it that way too. Much of that is based upon what you would deem to be fun. And how you might define freedom. Truth be told, the Bible paints quite the opposite picture. This is important to understand. John chapter 10. Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you. I am the door or some translations say I am the gate of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters in by me, listen to what this says. Jesus says, if anyone enters in by me, he will be saved. Amen. That's good news. We enter in by Jesus. He says we'll be saved. But there's more. And we'll go in and out I just like that phrase and we'll go in and out we'll go in and out you know I think about how sometimes even children in our home when they're younger maybe parents you, you resonate with this you know we've got a door that that especially when it's nice outside you know kids are in and out in and out and they come in and out and there's the, and it's wonderful because there's freedom there's there's land a little bit of land now they can just they can just go and and there's, there's freedom to, to move. And they can come in and out. There's a lot of freedom. And I think about that. And I think about what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10. Not only will you be saved, but entering in through Jesus will be able to go in and out and find pasture. The thief, Jesus says, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You see, there is a freedom as you pass through the narrow gate, a freedom like none you've known before. Entering by Christ, according to John chapter 10, you will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. We need to remember the imagery there that you are a sheep now of his pasture. Being saved is wonderful of itself, but having the ability to go in and out and find pasture, that doesn't sound too narrow to me. There's great freedom to be found in Christ. In fact, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, chapter 5, verse 1 stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. See, the command here is to enter by the narrow gate. The command is backed by the king himself. contrary to what others might think there's great freedom entering this narrow gate, walking this difficult way. Try to enter this kingdom any other way, and you are deceiving yourself. Acts 4.12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. It's through Jesus Christ alone, by faith alone. So that's the command right there at the beginning of verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. And then we see this way of destruction put forth. Or this way of warning, I believe. For wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. I want you to note something in the text. There's nothing spoken of here of entering the wide gate. Or traversing the Broadway. There's no, nothing necessarily spoken. Why is that? Well, by default, that's the gate you enter. That's the path you're on if you do not enter the kingdom of heaven as the Lord has commanded. He's given a command. Entrance into His kingdom, church, happens under His terms, not yours. Not your friends, not your favorite radio teacher, not someone on the internet, not what he thinks. The terms of the king, that's how you enter the kingdom of heaven. So coming off the command, Jesus immediately connects or gives explanation as to why the narrow gate is the way to walk. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. So we see the gate and the way. They're going together and they, they lead somewhere, don't they? They lead somewhere. Wide is the gate. Jesus commands the narrow gate and sheds light on the only other gate available to enter. It's a wide gate. Wide gate. On the surface, there's a lot to like about the wide gate, isn't there? A lot of space.' I'm going to be bumping and running into people. And yet Jesus is clear about where entry through this wide gate will take you. It might look great. It might be appealing. Entering by the narrow gate requires that you be born again. requires that you believe on the name of Jesus for forgiveness of your sins. It requires repentance of your sins. Acknowledging your need for a savior. Understanding that you are a lowly, wretched sinner. Recognizing your sin. Dealing with your sin. Understanding that you are unable. That you are incapable. You need to remember, having been dead you are now awakened by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit for your desperate need for Jesus, who according to the Bible became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says. You see, entering by the wide gate makes no such requirements. They're not, they're, not, they're not there. The wide gate has no requirements like that. Perhaps that explains in part why it's become so popular. People today like to do their own thing. They like to have things their own way. Customization in the business world has spilled over to customization in God's church. People don't seem to be too concerned about a narrow gate these days. No urgency for the most part. The pursuit of holiness. Following Jesus. Where is it today? White is the gate. Broad is the way. Broad, the word has in mind spacious. Describing the way as having plenty of room in it. The wide gate and broad way lead somewhere, according to what Jesus says in the text, leads to destruction. Let's be clear that the two ways presented here by Jesus are not as simple as the narrow gate and the difficult way equals heaven. And the the wide gate and the broad way equals hell. I think sometimes we like to maybe just make them look really nice and separate them and put them in boxes and this is what they are. I believe that the wide gate and the broad way would beckon you onward. Selling you a bill of lies calling out to you. It's down here. Right here. It's over here. All that you've been wanting, it's right over here. Heaven's over here. You can get It's down this way. I believe there's a call for all these wonderful things down that road. You see the wide gate and broad way. Don't simply advertise Worldly fair. You know, I was thinking about the evil one and how he oftentimes, oftentimes he doesn't advertise before tripping you up, does he? He's not gonna forewarn you that you're about to go down a wrong path. Doesn't the Bible say that he masquerades as an angel of light? You see, it's, it's imperative we're called, we're instructed in the Word to understand His schemes. He masquerades as an angel of light. He will make the wide gate and Broadway look as attractive as ever to you. To you, to one who professes to be in Christ. He will provide you with an alternative menu of options through the wide gate and the broad way. It might have the look in part of the other path, but you can be assured it's not. For these ways lead somewhere. You enter through a gate, you walk in the way, you go a prescribed path and it takes you somewhere. Jesus says that this wide gate and broad way leads to destruction. The word has in mind separation. Complete loss of well-being. And that is truly what it is. For you see, when you are separated from God, you have no well-being. You are lost. You are without hope. Some of you perhaps are sitting here today and that's where you find yourself. Oh no, you may not verbalize it, but deep inside, you're lost. You are without hope. Why? Because you don't have God in your life. Because you have thought up to this point that you can walk your path Your path would be synonymous with the path that is broad. As opposed to walking the way that the king has prescribed. Church, if the king has prescribed a way to walk, let's walk that way. The destination is destruction. There are a couple other places where we see this word. Timothy 6, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare... ...and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction. Second Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people... ...even as there will be a false teachers among you... ...who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the Lord who, brought, who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. You see, the wide gate and the broad way leads to destruction, to separation from God forever. Church, I see an urgency put forth in the text right here. There is an urgency here. I think about man and I think about his days on earth and the temporary nature of man. Jesus describes it this way in James 4 What is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor. Or a mist. that appears for a little time. And then vanishes away. Like the psalmist. We too ought to be crying out. And asking of the Lord to teach us. To number our days. Teach us to number our days. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. That we may come to understand. The eternal versus the temporal. That as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. There is a path to walk. And conversely, there's a path not to walk. We need to understand something. Death is certain for each one of you. Unless the Lord should return. And I would say, come, Lord Jesus, come. That'd be wonderful. You know, I have a friend who is in Christ and I've always remembered one thing that he shared with me. He's told me about his departure. Whenever that time comes, his departure. In the context of death and dying, he expressed his readiness to be with the Lord simply by saying, my bags are packed. My bags are ready. Are your bags ready? Are they packed? Do you know your destination? If not, I want to call you to consider that today. Today, now is high time to awake out of slumber. If your bags are packed, how about those you live with? How about your spouse? How about your children? How about your siblings? How about those who are your close friends? You see, if you, if you pick up on the urgency in the text... ...and you begin to see that there are but two ways. There are two ways to travel. Two. And that one of those ways leads to destruction. Separation from God. Forever. What then is your response? What should be your response... What would the Lord have you do in light of such urgency? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror, the judgment of the Lord, we persuade men, Paul says. Let's add one additional element to the urgency put forth. Look at, look at Matthew 7, Matthew 13. Wide is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. It's the popularity path, isn't it? Many. Many go in by. Put some kindling on the fire when you read those words. See, not only is there urgency because this Broadway leads to destruction, but the fact that many are on it ought to jolt each one of us to attention. It did me this week. It's wake up. Jesus doesn't say exactly how many, but he says many go in by this wide gate and travel this broad way. How many are on the road you're traveling? Are are you gauging your destination on the number of people that are traveling alongside you? There are many of us who like to do things or go places where there are lots of other people. But have you subscribed to the mindset that, well, if, you know, if Johnny or if Sally's doing it, then it must be the right way. You know, I look around me and I, I don't see too many people. And it's disturbing, really, when you, when you stop and really think about this. I don't see too many people desiring to live a holy life. Not too many desiring, as 1 John chapter 3 says, to purify themselves because he is pure. Not too many willing to lose their lives that they might be found in Christ. Not too many willing to take this book and take the Lord at his word, what he says. You see, destruction is the result of walking the broad way. And there are many, according to what Jesus says, walking this way. And in case, just in case, in case you think that you are on safe base this morning. By the fact that you've come into a church building. Let's just, truth be told, this is a public school building. We happen to, praise the Lord, we get to rent the space to meet together as a body, as a church family. But there is nothing, absolutely nothing about this building that's going to save you. Being inside these walls, not going to save you. It's not. So, if there are some who are resting entirely upon their weekly church gathering attendance as their means of entering the kingdom of heaven... I'd like you just to listen. I'd like you to know that you will not enter the kingdom of heaven on the merit of church attendance. It's not what I read in the book. Let's not be so naive to think that the text here is addressing folks who are worlds apart from you. I think that's the tendency sometimes when we come to this text. We see these two roads and we go, oh, well, it's just those people. Or over there. And I'm over here. That's exactly what the evil one wants you to think. He'll he'll, he'll put a little facade out there. And we always tend to think better of ourselves, don't we? We always think that we're a little bit better. I'll just remind you of the first of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the what? Poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's not think for a moment that the wide gate and the narrow way, that it's put forth, these two paths, that they're put forth just for the worst pagan or the most egregious. Thinking, thinking about this, this wide gate and the broad path, that, that's, not, that's not put forward just for the worst pagan. Or the most egregious sinner. (laughs) Jesus' words here, the rest of the way in Matthew 7, they they serve it as a, a blaring, it's a siren. It's a wake up. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's the way to enter. Enter the narrow gate, the king says. Now, if you came in here this morning asleep, I'm not talking just physically. I'm talking about ...just asleep at the wheel. You've been asleep. You came in here thinking this wide gate and Broadway... ...is reserved solely for the hardest criminals on the streets... ...or or for those who, who make the headline news. Let me assure you that the text... ...while it may very well speak to those people... ...it's speaking to you as well. The Word of God, church, we need to understand... ...it's profitable for your soul. We need to take heed to what it says... We'll see next week there are going to be some thinking that they're in. And they're not. Is that not one of the most frightening passages in all of Scripture? Didn't we say to you, Lord, Lord? Oh, but did we do this? Let me cast out demons? No. Jesus says it's going to come down to whether or not you're going to, in obedience, carry out the will of my Father. Are you going to do the will? Of my Father. That's what it's about. I praise the Lord, there's another way to travel other than the one described in verse 13. There's another way to walk. In contrast to the way of destruction. Jesus elaborates in verse 14 on the commanded way mentioned at the beginning of verse 13, the way of life. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Some translations may actually begin that with more of an exclamatory remark How narrow is the gate? Narrow is the gate. We spoke briefly of that up front. Contrasted with the wide gate. We see difficult is the way. Or some translations, straight is the way. Literally, confined is the way. And there again, the word for many is a tough word because many of us don't like that. We don't like to be confined. We don't like difficult. See, some of those words we just don't like. But let's push aside for just a moment what we don't like. And instead, let's remember the prescribed way of the king. Enter the narrow gate. And this narrow gate takes us down a difficult Straight, confined way. I believe in the New King James it uses difficult here, perhaps describing just the nature of the way. It is difficult in the sense that it includes trials. It includes suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Does it not? Second Timothy 3 verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Many of us have no idea, right? We read stories of missionary folks around the world. Pales in comparison to what you and I have gone through. And yet the text says in Timothy that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough time, our past lifetime, in doing the will of the Gentiles. Amen to that. Huh? Amen to that. We've spent enough time. That ought to be done. The old is gone. The new has come. The destination here, according to the text, this narrow gate, difficult way leads to life. How does a difficult way lead to life? I think it's important at least in part in answering that question that we look unto Jesus that we look at his life we look at his way how did he walk he fulfilled the will of his heavenly father and because of his willingness to travel the difficult way he has made it possible for you to have life hear this please his death brought you life his death did that, secured that for you your difficult straight way and for a time it may be that here on earth but the Bible assures those who are in Christ there is coming a day listen to this, there is coming a day When there will be no more tears, no more sinus infections. Praise the Lord. No more mourning. The old order of things has passed away. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. I'm also reminded of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We know that if our earthly house, this tent, if it's destroyed... When it comes time for it to be done. We have a building from God. Not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. We know that Jesus speaks of in John chapter 14. Just before he leaves. Just before he's going to the cross. He tells his disciples that he's going to be going. And he's going to be building a mansion. Getting it ready. And he's going to come back. That they might be with him. Oh, these are wonderful, wonderful words. As bad as things may be, you may truly be thinking it is difficult right now. Perhaps you... you've you've been tempted to slide into the syndrome of of the psalmist from Psalm 73... who looks all around him and he sees all these things that the wicked seem to be getting ahead. The wicked seem to be... Nothing seems to be going wrong with the wicked. Oh my goodness, I'm doing all this and this and this. And look at this guy over here. He's not... Nothing's happening to this guy. And he's a pagan. He's not even doing these things. Lord, is it worth doing all this? You know, however difficult your life may be right now... we need to remember something... There is a temporal nature to all of the difficulties that you're going through. I love Psalm 30, verse 5. It says, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but church joy comes in the morning. That's good news. That's the hope that we see in the word that difficult way that you're traversing right now, it's not without pain, not without trial or suffering. We need to remember the Bible does not preach, contrary to what some are preaching. The Bible, this Bible, this word does not preach that once God saves you, everything's going to be just fine. In fact, not only is it going to be just fine, but you're going to start getting and accumulating all kinds of stuff. It's going to be amazing what God's going to do. truth of the matter I believe is this you do go through painful experiences but God never wastes your painful experiences you do go through trials you will have trials but by God's grace he's going to help you through them I love the song give grace for every hurdle right that's what we need, and he provides that grace. Hey, let's, let's also be reminded that, that in this difficult path, that you will go through periods of suffering. But praise God that they are only temporal in this earthen tent. The truth is that you may not have a lot of things. Maybe some of you are sitting here oh, your don't have a lot of things. We need to remember what the Lord's already so, told us here in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. Food, shelter, clothing, those basic necessities. He knows you have need of them. Don't be seeking those things primarily. The Gentiles seek after those things. The Father knows what you need. Financially, you might not have a whole lot. But let me tell you this. You are one of the richest people on earth if you have Jesus Christ in your life. You might be wondering where next month's food going to come from. You know what? I read this Bible, and I want you to know that you serve a God who has another name, Jehovah Jireh. Anybody know what that means? The Lord will what? Provide. He will provide. You see, the difficult way is the king's prescribed way. And it leads to life. It points to life to come, future, with the Father, and life that can be lived out in the present through the Holy Spirit in you. God is a life giver. And Jesus came that we might, according to John chapter 10, have abundant life. Not just ho-hum, oh, it's another Monday. Oh, oh, no. Abundant life. Something ought to be different. we can tell a lot about people we have what's called these first impressions of people oh i hope and pray that the first impression people have of you and me being in christ is that they recognize something different they recognize the light of christ here to here there's something different What comes out of our mouth, it's different. What we do with our hands and our feet, it's different. Because Christ is in us. Because we are walking the king's prescribed way. Are you filled with life? Is the light of Christ living in you? Do others know and recognize the life in you through Jesus Christ? Is that life Is that life exhibited in the way that you worship the Lord? Not just here on Sunday morning, but in general, in the way you worship the Lord. You see, this narrow gate and difficult way, they lead to life. But I want you to look at how the verse ends. It's not quite the same contrasting parallel from verse 13. It says, there are few, contrasted with the many, traveling the Broadway. There are few who find it. So we have the narrow gate. The difficult way leads to life, and yet only a few go in by it. No, the text doesn't say that. The text says that there are a few who find it. Why is it that a few find it? What's Jesus saying? Well, one thing I believe we can be clear that it's not saying, not implying that salvation is, is something one finds on his own. That's not what he's saying. Because you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead people do not have the ability to find anyone. God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, he saved you by grace through faith. You see, his initial work in you opened your blind eyes. Opened your deaf ears to hear. The good news message of Jesus Christ. So, in what sense does Jesus say that only a few find it? Let me share a few verses that may give some insight, I hope, into what Jesus is saying here. Just as a, a preface to these verses, these are hard verses, what I'm about to read. These are very difficult verses. Luke 9 23. If anyone desires to come after me, anyone desires to walk this path that I've prescribed, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So, what do we see here in this passage? There's a cross involved. There's a cross involved. We get a little squirmy, we get a little shaky. When we hear about the cross. There's a cross that I must bear. That I must take up. But what about Matthew 13? 44 through 46. Again the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and hid. And for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who when he had found one pearl of great price... Went and sold all that he had and bought it. What else do we know about this prescribed way? According to Matthew 13, it's costly. It's costly. In both of those short parables, the individual gave up all that he had to pursue the prize. It's costly. What about Luke 9, 62? Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. What do we learn here? Commitment. Commitment. Lifelong commitment. Let's share one more, Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He then goes on and talks about counting the cost and gives two pictures, two illustrations. He concludes this way. So likewise, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has, Cannot be my disciple. You see here there is a picture of complete surrender. Consider the cost of following Jesus. Forsaking it all to follow Jesus. Are you walking that road? Perhaps these last few verses explain why there are so few people traveling in their own difficult way. The destination is life and yet few there are who find it. This kind of life. This kind of following after Jesus, pursuing him with everything you have, dropping your nets, Luke 5, leaving it all behind to follow Jesus. Those fishermen did that, didn't they? Gave us a wonderful picture of what that looks like. Is this the kind of life that you signed up for when you believed on the name of Jesus, when you received him to be Lord and Savior of your life? I use those terms intentionally. John 1, 12, believe and receive. Being in Christ, is it possible that you have forsaken, church, your first love? Is is it possible that your profession of Christ has impacted your brain only, but not your hands and your feet, not your life, not your walk? We get so concerned and so consumed in, in the intellectual and making sure we've accumulated the right knowledge. Let's walk in the prescribed way of the king. The world needs to see it. The world needs to see it. The king's demanded it of us. How can we do any other? Enter by the narrow gate. The king has prescribed us to go a particular way. Will you go this way? Or will you head down the broad way? Which leads to destruction. My fear this morning is that there are some that are on that road right now. Some right here in this place. Jesus offers life as an alternative. And throughout the Old Testament, there's this call to choose life. Life or death is put before us. Life or death. Here's the conclusion of the matter. You see, what what you say today, how you respond today to the text, you cannot fool God in this matter. Some of you have been playing a charade. You've been playing a game. Paul writes these words, I believe, the principle put forth applies right here in Galatians 5, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. If you're hearing these words today, and you might be thinking about all that's happened in your past, all that's been done, oh, I can't, you know what? You can't go back and erase what's happened. That's true. Here's the good news. You can begin today walking the king's prescribed way. You can be saved if you enter in through Jesus Christ. And you too can go in and out and find pasture. That is available to you today. Right now. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's available right here and now. Destruction and life. Two ways to go. Both have a destination. Many people are traveling on the one, few find the other. It's too costly. Includes a cross. It demands commitment, it calls for complete surrender. And it requires a forsaking of the things of the world because the Bible tells us that friendship with the world is enmity against God. We can't love the things of the Father and still hold on and love the things of the world. The Bible says here, right in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has already said, you cannot serve two masters. Which way are you going? Which way are you going to choose to go? Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering here as we we come to the, the close of this. This ought not be real difficult. I believe what Jesus has put forth is simple. But it's not easy. We like things to be simple and easy. The prescribed way of the king, it's very simple. I do believe it's very simple. Let's walk that way. Let's walk the way he's prescribed. Is it going to be easy? No. In fact, it tells me here in the text that it's difficult. We don't have to conjure up what we want to do. The king has put forth the command. Enter by the narrow gate. That narrow gate leads to a. Difficult way, which leads to life. Are you going to decide now to follow Jesus? Not just up here in your brain. Some of you have already decided that. Some of you already got that one figured out. Are we going to be able to take these Instruments here, these members, and use them now for God's purposes. Being a slave to God, the Romans 6 idea, using them no longer for unrighteousness, but using them for the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to do things a little differently here on the close. The text lends itself to this. I don't believe I'm making this up. There's an urgency here. This morning, some of you, perhaps, need to go before the Lord and need to be asking of the Lord. In light of the fact that you find yourself today, right now, you find yourself in the same position as Christian in Pilgrim's Progress... You are being awakened that you right now are in the city of destruction. And perhaps this morning you're awakened to that big burden of sin that's just on your back. I just want you to know there's a way that that burden can be taken away. It's taken away at the cross. It's taken away in what God, through Jesus Christ, already did for you. He accomplished it, already been done. God reconciled you unto himself in sending Jesus down here to die. He took your sins upon himself at the cross. And it's at the cross where we first see the light. The burden rolling away. It's a wonderful picture. It can be true for you can be the word's been put forth I pray the Holy Spirit would apply it to your heart heart, apply it to your life I pray as a whole that all of us as a church we would walk together in the king's prescribed way that we would hold each other accountable to walk in the king's prescribed way that where we see someone walking contrary to the king's prescribed way we would lovingly come alongside we would lovingly put the word forward. And I pray that as brothers and sisters, we would be willing to hear what the king has to say in his word. We're gonna pray. Following the prayer, we're just gonna sing with with vocals. We're gonna sing a few stanzas of, I have decided to follow Jesus. And listen, I have no desire to make this a formality. It's a song many of us have known for years. If you're not desiring to follow Jesus, please don't sing the words. We're gonna start out with the question. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Let's pray. Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Father, just now I pray for the hearts of those who are here. Father, if there is a twinge of conviction, if there is something here in the hearts of of people, Lord, as you have convicted them, as your Holy Spirit has been working on them, Lord, I pray from the word that their heart cry this morning would be to walk in this prescribed way of the king. Oh Lord, I pray that they would would fall before you. They would surrender their hearts to you, their minds to you. They would desire to be a subject of yours. That although the way is difficult, Father, they would desire to see and to walk in that way, understanding that it leads to life. Life everlasting. Life right here in the present as well. And Father, for those of us here who are in Christ, it's my hope, it's my encouragement that as a church family, we would be diligent to consider the cost. We would be diligent to take up the cross daily, to deny ourselves, to follow you. We would be diligent to commit ourselves wholeheartedly that we would understand from your word that what you've called for is complete surrender. So Father, those things, perhaps this morning, maybe as we come before you right now, maybe we would just lift up those things that we haven't surrendered to you. Lord, we desire to surrender to you. We desire to give those things to you, Lord, that we might walk in your way. Oh, show us, Lord. Reveal to us, examine our hearts. See if there's any wicked way found in us. Lord, reveal that, I pray this morning, to each one of us, that we might walk in your way. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, who is our King and our Savior. Amen.